So, Julie, I know on our Applied Insights team at Hartford Funds, you're kind of the expert on teams. And I can imagine that over the past couple of months, you've gotten more questions and, and heard more stories and experiences about what teams are going through as we kind of transition into a new environment. I mean, can you, is that true? Have you been working with lots of teams on bonds and culture? John, this has been a very popular topic, as you can imagine. And what's exciting is that so many teams and essentially the leaders of the teams are really thinking about this thoughtfully. They're planning ahead. They're being proactive and, and trying to figure out what's the most appropriate way to continue to strengthen their team going forward. But as you know, it's it's been a challenge and we aren't the same people that we were two years ago. And in today's chat that we all have with Barbara Kay, founder of Barbara Kay Coaching, she'll share with us some ideas on how to rebuild team bonds and culture in the workplace. And I'm so excited to hear what she has to say. Yeah, it was great having her with us. So let's not delay any further. Let's hear from Barbara. Hi, I'm John. And I'm Julie. We're the hosts of the Hartford Fund's Human-Centric Investing Podcast. Every other week, we're talking with inspiring thought leaders to hear their best ideas for how you can transform your relationships with your clients. Let's go. I'm delighted to introduce Barbara Kay, founder of Barbara Kay Coaching. Barbara has been a business psychology coach since 1998. She works with professionals and financial services organizations nationwide, including WIRES, Independents, RIAs, and their wholesale partners. In addition to coaching, she speaks at conferences and provides custom skill building on coaching skills, leadership, teams, communication, brand and sales psychology, change, client relationships, women, and behavioral finance. Barbara obtained dual degrees and licenses in clinical psychology and postgraduate training in three coaching specialties. She's a member of the APA, the American Psychological Association, and the FPA, the Financial Planning Association. She writes a quarterly leadership column in the Journal of Financial Planning and is the author of two books, The Top Performer's Guide to Change and The $14 Trillion Woman, Your Essential Guide to the Female Client. Barbara, we're so excited to have you here with us today and uh, discussing a topic that I know John and I are hearing about multiple times a day, and that's team bonds, team culture, and just really the reintegration of, of financial professional teams. I can't tell you how many times a day I hear, especially a leader of a team will say to me, Julie, I really like my team. I respect my team. We have a great dynamic. And I don't want to lose that, or I'm afraid we've lost a little bit of that over the last couple of years working remotely and just as we've all changed as people and the world has changed. And I'm excited to hear your thoughts on maybe rebuilding those team bonds and connections as we go forward. Obviously, all of our crystal balls are a bit murky as to exactly what will unfold over the next few months, but I know that this is a topic very top of mind for financial professionals and their teams, and we're so excited to hear your thoughts and guidance on, on the rebuilding process. Well, thank you for having me. I'm delighted, delighted to be here. And yes, uh, rebuilding culture and rebuilding team is so important. 
I talk to advisors all over the country, literally from New York City to Alaska in all of the channels. And some people have been, um, particularly those who are more independent or RIA, they are allowed to gather more regularly and other larger organizations, they've been still very remote. There is no doubt that this two years of disruption in the teamwork has really taken its toll. The, the analogy I use is everybody has what I call stress mono. We've had two years of chronic, nonstop, relentless stress. And like mono, I was fortunate not to get mono in college, but a lot of people do. And they just don't feel up to snuff. They're just kind of a constant sort of drag on their energy. And that has happened to every team across the nation and there's been a lot of disruption. So what I hear a lot is that the uh, remote work had some upsides. People didn't have to commute. I have a client who works in the New York City, New Jersey metro area, and she was commuting one and a half hours each way to work. And so not uh, commuting to work really allowed her to be very, very, very productive and get frankly, three more hours of work in a day. But at the same time, the administrative tasks, because everything went digital, got more voluminous. People had to do more work. So rather than poking your head out the door and saying, hey, what about XYZ in a 20-second conversation, it turned out to be five or 10 instant messages or emails back and forth. And so people have had a lot of that team bonding strain. And the analogy I use is, and the thoughts I use is, everything that we benefited from remote work had landed more on the personal side, not having to commute, not having uh, for women uh, necessarily to get into a suit and high heels, uh, having more flex work for everybody in the family. The things that got harder were the teamwork because trying to work together remotely was really difficult, more tasks and a real loss of perspective. You know, when you're sitting in an office with people, you can literally see how hard they're working. You can see that they're having a hard day. You can see them slogging away, no matter what role they're in. You can have a, a coffee break or go to lunch or even bring lunch in. When we were remote, whether you're still very remote or partially remote or back to the office uh, now, the, all of that perspective was lost. People did not see what you were doing on the other side of that screen all day. So I think it'll take some time to rebuild those bonds. And I have to say, some folks are, are wanting to pull people back really quickly and they want to hurry it up. Other people are ready to come back and not everybody's in the same place based on their personal feeling, based on how comfortable they feel and how at risk they are and the people in their family are at risk. So one of the important things is for leaders of teams to just be patient you know, if you think about psychology, and that's my background, when people are under a threat situation, they basically have four responses. It's fight or flight, which we're all familiar with. And then the other two are freeze and fold. And, you know, in COVID and in the disruption, the, the fight response was people who wanted to throw the mask away immediately and let's get back to work and this is stupid and let's all go together. And, and a lot of people had good reasons for that. And the flight uh, response was, I'm never leaving my house again. Uh, it's too dangerous. And, and the, the freeze and fold are people somewhere in the middle who are just struggling to figure out what to do. They're kind of stuck. And so as a, leaders of teams, you might no, have noticed that your uh, team members have just had different responses. 
And what makes it challenging for a team leader is your team members have different responses. And so one size does not fit all. The person in fight mode is not going to respond the same way as the person in flight mode who really needs encouragement to come back. And so patience seems to be the word of the day. I hate to say that because we've had, had to have a lot of patience and we continue to need a lot of patience. And then recognizing that people are going to need a more personalized approach. It's definitely not one size fits all. Um, and then talk... Uh, Focus on trying to connect with their concerns. If they are hesitating to come back in the office or they feel uncomfortable in the office, focus on connecting with their concerns and how to um, acknowledge them and how to accommodate them. And for many people who are back in the office, it's very important to try to flip the dynamic. Uh, you know, coming back into the office requires more effort than uh, getting a cup of tea or coffee and sitting at your uh, computer. And so we lost the fun of being with our team and we gained some benefit from being at home. And so we need to flip that equation and create that fun bonding again at the team level and try to eliminate the hassles that existed in remote work. So if I were to give a, a team leader a piece of advice, it would Try to make the office and uh, bonding environment, social positive bonding as good as possible and eliminate as many of the administrative hassles as possible because nobody's going to want to get up and commute to have the same level of hassle they could have had at home. And um, th those are at least two tips uh, that I would recommend. And before I chatter on more, let me stop and ask uh, Julie and John if you have any other questions or thoughts. So one question I have, Barbara, is uh, when I think about kind of the way a team functions, sure, we have the day-to-day -day efficiencies and responsibilities that have to be taken care of. But I think more of a concern for me would be the cultural concern. So, uh, you know, what I notice now that we're in a place where we're starting to do some in-person events versus all virtual versus before that, we were all in-person. It, it reminds me of school, right? We were all in person, then we went all virtual, and now we're in some kind of hybrid world. And who knows where it goes from here. But uh, what I think I learned to appreciate most about being in person were the small conversations that kind of went around the office, as you say, somebody poking their head in your office or a story about what they did this past weekend or an experience they had. And I don't know, it's just been my experience that no matter how many virtual happy hours we had during the pandemic, it really didn't replace that. So are there any tips you're giving to team leaders or to teams in terms of, uh, are they revisiting the culture? Are they, are they assessing each of the individuals on their team for how they can better communicate that culture? What are you finding in that kind of that team culture piece of things? Yes, this is really important. Uh, what we do every day is basically what builds the culture. You know, you can have a mission statement that sits on the wall and it's a fancy statement, but if it's not, it's not walk the talk, it really doesn't matter. Uh, so I think you're absolutely right. It's those small bonding things. So I was talking to a leader the other day and they were talking about oh, doing all sorts of balloons and signs and welcome back and all of this. And um, it was not the right moment uh, for me to have a, a detailed conversation, but I would heartily agree with you, John. The things that create that social bonding 
And rather than let's, uh, you know, run hard and come back and we're going to be super efficient and we're going to just pretend the next the last two years didn't happen and we're going to hit the ground running a sprint and here we go, everybody come back in. I expect that would be met with some disappointment at minimum and a lot of resistance because people have been running already for two years. And so uh, listening to them, I would learn from the team. What has the team learned about how the, op uh, the office operates? What are things that they learned working remotely that would make being in the office more efficient? What is stuff that they don't need to be doing anymore that just creates um, excess hassle? And then the time together, those informal conversations, it doesn't have to be expensive. It's just a matter of being able to connect. It could be we order out lunch and if everybody feels comfortable, so we just hang out and, and sit together and have lunch. Or we do things that are going to create that bonding. Um, it's great to ask a lot of open-ended questions. And it's great to pull the team together and talk about now that we're back together, what is the culture that we had before? What do we want going forward? And how does that show up? day in and day out. And the other tip I'm recommending to leaders is everybody has lost perspective and many people don't realize that the leaders are extraordinarily tired. They have worked as hard, if not harder than everybody else. And I say to them, I'm sorry to tell you this, but please don't expect your team to understand your perspective. They're, they didn't see how hard you worked. And so being a leader means showing appreciation for them and not necessarily expecting a lot of reciprocity. That doesn't mean the team leader can be taken advantage of, but the, the, the team is not going to come and love all over them and say, thank you so much for everything you did to keep us going for two years. They may, but they may not because they're living in their own world of stress. And what happens when we're in our own world of stress is everybody kind of becomes self-focused. You know, as a leader, everybody has been under two years of stress, and it might be easy for the leader to want the team to actually show appreciation because they have been under just as much stress as the team. Unfortunately, the job of leadership means we don't necessarily get to expect our team to come in and give us lots of praise and, and uh, verbal hugs for holding the team together because when people are under stress, they tend to be a little self-focused. So it's a great opportunity for the leader to come in and show appreciation for the, all the hard work that the team has put out. They've been under more stress than the leader recognizes, just as the leader has been under more stress than the team recognizes. And just show regular appreciation. People really, really appreciate being acknowledged and appreciated and do the best you can to create that environment where that culture uh, that you want to give to clients is also the same culture that you have on the inside. Because whatever you do outside to the clients is what also you should be doing inside. Because if there's a dis disconnect between your internal culture and what you want to deliver to clients, it's going to show up. It's going to leak out. So I was talking to a, an advisor and said, you know, what is the goal when you... Uh, deal with clients. And he said, well, I want our clients to come first and I want our clients to be cared for and well-treated. 
And I said, well, that's the culture you want on the inside. You want your people to be well cared for and well treated. And you want your team members to think, I need to care for my team members first, as well as the clients, to care for the firm and the team and care for the clients. And if there's a dissension on the inside, it will show up on the outside eventually, if not so- sooner, if not later. Barbara, the last conversation you and I had, we were talking about how much feedback we'd received from financial professionals saying, you know, I can't wait to just go back to normal, to just go back to how it used to be. And you said something during that conversation that was an absolute aha moment for me. And it's going to sound very straightforward and simple, but it really was eye-opening. And you said, Julie, we're not the same people we were two years ago. Two years is a long time. And I just think as I started to think about that, people have, they've had children, they've adopted pets, they've moved, there's potentially been death in their family or their circle. There's just been a lot of major life changes that have occurred. And so I think to expect that any of us would just go back to how it used to be is, I'm quite certain, an unrealistic expectation. And, you know, I love your idea of assessing the, the processes of the team and the technology and some of the infrastructure and operations and trying to determine what, what, what have we learned that we'll take with us? What are we able to leave behind? Would you guide teams to spend an equal amount of time sort of reacquainting themselves on the personal side within comfort levels, of course, but you know, really getting to know their team as humans again after two years of, of distancing? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Building those bonds is really, really important. We've lost all of that uh, casual chatter, talk over lunch, talk about the kids, you know, understand people's perspective. That is to me what has really been frayed. And it, you you know, there's a saying distance makes the heart grow fonder. I'm sorry, I don't believe that. I think distance makes the heart grow distant and bonds have to be rebuilt. Uh, And it doesn't have to be expensive or complicated. It can be just simple ways of showing appreciation and care. And I really encourage leaders to do some open dialogue with their team, learn from the team, because what the team needs at this point is to be re-engaged with work and re-engaged with each other. And you could have a brainstorming session over lunch or whenever you can manage it and talk about what are the things the team, depends on how large the team is, you might have to put it into smaller groups if it's a ginormous team, but what have the team learned? What was good about being remote? What was awful about being remote? What did we miss about our team members? What What are ways we can rebuild bonds so that we can actually enjoy working together again and feel that that benefit of being together? What are the things that people think that they can't do remotely that really need to happen in in person and focus on that. Everybody thinks of tasks, but tasks can be done remotely. People can't be done remotely. And so thinking about how to rebuild those bonds and not just on the tasks that have to be done. And I know it sounds very squashy and touchy-feely and all of that good psychology stuff. If you think about People's benefits of working remote tended to accrue to their personal life and their work life got more aggravating and more disconnected and disengaged with remote, then we're going to catch up 
for that and we're going to need to rebuild those bonds and re-engage people and the coaching experts always say and i hope i'm one of those people that one of the best ways you can engage people is just to ask them open-ended questions and get them involved in creating the solution not just talking about the problem barbara do you recommend that uh team leaders uh kind of assess individual team members individually to say let's say there's seven people on my team and four are comfortable coming back into the office, but three are not. Do you see many team leaders, let's say, reaching out to say, hey, if you're comfortable, could we grab a cup of coffee or lunch just so there could be some listening? Because I think sometimes we assume we know the reasons why that person is not comfortable. What we may not realize, it has nothing to do with protocols. It has to do with caring for an aging parent who, by the way, is two years older. And I think with what we've learned in the last two years, if we put ourselves back two years ago and think, well, that that team member's choice before would have been to leave our team, or uh, I don't know what they would have done, but now that we've learned how we can do this, maybe we can retain someone on a more flexible basis and create a better environment, more productive environment for both the employee and for the team. I guess my main question is, do you see senior leaders reaching out based on the needs or preferences of the team members? Well, I would certainly encourage it because uh, when someone who is in flight mode, meaning I don't want to leave my house, encounter someone who's in fight mode at work, this is all hooey and I just want to get back to work, that is not a good situation in the office. And I have a client who, for medical reasons, was extremely cautious and early on before things bloomed again in Delta and Omicron, was back to the office and happens to be a female, and she encountered someone who, this is silly and I don't want to do this, and she was cornered in a coffee room uh, by someone who was uh, aggressively thinking all these protocols were silly, and she felt very uncomfortable. And that is the kind of situations that people are getting into, and leaders need to understand that's not the kind of situation they want their team members to encounter. So absolutely have as many one-on-one conversations as possible if you know based on the comfort level of the team and that comfort has to be rebuilt if the team member feels disengaged barbara you've shared so many tips and ideas on how team leaders or teams in general can can proactively work to to reconstitute those team bonds and really ensure that their team culture is so strong going forward But at the end of the day, it sounds like your guidance is this isn't a process that will necessarily happen naturally. And there there should be some thought and preparation and ultimately a plan put in place to proactively engage in these discussions. I know you've given me so many great ideas and and on behalf of John and myself and and the Hartford Fund's Human-Centric Investing Podcast, thank you again for joining us. And for any financial professional that would like to reach out to Barbara directly, You can visit her website at barbarakcoaching.com or you can email her at barbara at barbarakcoaching.com. Again, thank you so much, Barbara, for your guidance and expertise today. Thank you. It was delightful to be here. And I invite anybody to reach out. I'm happy to talk talk about their situation. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Hartford Fund's Human-Centric Investing Podcast. If you'd like to tune in for more episodes, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, or YouTube. And if you'd like to be a guest and share your best ideas for transforming client relationships, 
Email us at guestbooking at hartfordfunds.com. We'd love to hear from you. Talk to you soon.